Yeah. All right. Here's what I need to do. I need to welcome in all those that are watching online, on Facebook, especially, hey, you men and women over at the jail campus, you guys, we love you, and we're so thankful that you're part of our church family. Come on, church. Would you welcome them all in? Love you guys. Love you, love you, love you. So we are in this series, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through the background because I uh, this, this is the first message. The, the 9 a.m. service has been, like, I don't know what it is, but it's been packed out, and uh, they've been high energy, and I'm loving it. And uh, we have, we've, uh, what we've done is we've made some adjustments to the chairs. Some of you might notice you got a little less leg room than before. Uh, we've added some chairs in here. So you are, can invite your friends. Because sometimes it, it gets, it's like a mind game that we play with ourselves. Like there's no room for anybody else. But we got room. We created space. So uh, invite your friends. Uh, but the 9 o'clock service has just been jam-packed. But uh, I went a little over. I'll just warn you. But uh, so they were my guinea pigs. And so hopefully... I learned a lesson. I probably didn't. Uh, I'll be good. I promise. I'll try. So uh, we are in a series uh, called Join the Story. And uh, I don't have a lot of time to get into the backdrop of uh, the series, but uh, we've been walking through the book of Matthew and how God has called us into his story about the kingdom of heaven and how it's our responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is who we are as a church. It's what we're supposed to be doing. So, with all that said, we've been walking through the book of Matthew. We are all the way up to Matthew chapter 18. So get your notes, get ready, it's on the screen. Matthew chapter 18, verse uh, verse 21, sorry. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? (laughs) You you can imagine. Poor Peter. Peter takes a lot of flack. Because he, you know, we talked about this last week. He's the, probably the oldest in the group, and he's the most responsible, and he's the one who talks for the group. And, and he's gotten himself in trouble by opening his mouth in the past. So he's, we're going to talk about why he's asking this question. He's asking this question for a reason. Uh, and he says, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? And he comes with a big number, seven times. Now, Pharisees taught that three times was what you required to forgive someone. So so Peter's coming in, he's, he's learned his lesson, he's been with Jesus for about three years now, and he's learned his lesson, he's going, okay, Jesus always makes it bigger than what, it, what we all think it is, so uh, I'm going to go with the big number, I'm going to more than double what the Pharisees asked, so seven times. <laughs> he's probably like, please let it be seven, please let it be seven, and Jesus goes, no. <laughs> he's like, darn it, come on! And he goes, no, it's not seven times, it is 70 times seven. Or in some of your translations, it may say 77 times. It depends on how you translate it. And, and it's like, oh, come on, can't I get it right just once? But as when Jesus said this, there's, there's something, there's a parallel that's taking place here that most of the times as uh, 21st century Christians living in 2019, is it 21st? Are we in the 21st century, right? I'm going to do my math, right? We're in the 21st century. We're the 21st century uh, Christians. We don't connect these pieces that Jesus connects and what the, the Hebrews that were hearing Jesus speaking would have connected. And so he connects it right away. He says, I know what this is talking about. So there's another place in the Bible where this num- these two numbers are used together. And it's all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis, let me show you. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, um, this is where Lamech has, so it's right at the beginning of the, of the story of the Bible. It's taking place. Lamech is, uh, has just killed two men. But he goes back and he says, Cain killed his brother. And when he killed his brother, Cain and Abel, if you remember in the beginning, uh, Cain 
and Abel were um, uh, Adam and Eve's firstborns, and Cain and got jealous of Abel, kills him, and God says, hey, you're marked, you got to get out. But if anybody comes after you, they're going to be punished seven times more than any other person, than what the law requires. And so Lamech kills a man, two men, and says, hey, if Cain was seven, if someone kills me, it's 77 times seven, or 77. So these numbers are, to, to, are connected. And what Jesus is doing is literally taking a judgment and flipping its head and calling it mercy. So he takes what men were saying was for judgment, and he flips it and says it's for mercy. 77 times 7, or 77 times, or 70 times 7, is the amount of times you need to have mercy on someone. That's a lot. Now, the number is not used as an actual number, so you, like, you don't keep tally on people, okay? Uh, but the, the number is meant to be an exaggerant, exaggerant, yeah, something like that. Some fancy word that does not come out of my mouth right now. Uh, so it's meant to be an exaggeration. There's, the, there's a good one. Uh, exaggeration of what he's speaking of. So then Jesus continues. He says, okay, now let me illustrate this for you. Now, how does Jesus illustrate for, for us? He tells a story. He gives the story, and he says, uh, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. There's our key words. So when Jesus is telling the stories in, in Matthew, Matthew uses this phrase to catch us, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king, there's the first character we're going to look at, who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants, who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors, there's the second character, was brought, into, brought in who owed millions of dollars. We're going to find out that, that the NLT translation is close on here, but it's actually, uh, the NLT translation was done in the 90s, so modern numbers is actually more than millions, so I'll tell you that in a minute, though. He couldn't pay, obviously. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, it wouldn't have covered the debt, but it would have actually got, he would have at least recouped some of his losses. So, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. He's lying. There's no way he's going to be able to pay that amount back. I'll show you in a minute. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave all his debt. Then we get introduced to the third character. But when the man left the king, he, left a, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little time, be patient with me and I will pay it. He doesn't even say I'll pay it all. He says, I'm going to pay it. He says he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in the prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, show of hands, how many people think this, the, the first servant, is a jerk to the second servant? Okay, the rest of you that aren't holding your hands, you are jerks, okay? You, like, or you're not paying attention. I don't know. So, so, his, so he paid it and he says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then, in, then the anger of the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire 
debt. And then Jesus sums up the story and he says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So when we go to a story, we want to grab some context here. So let's, let me help some of you that maybe weren't here last week or some context here. We got to know where we are in the story. The first part they need to understand is where we are in, in this story. So the king uh, and the, the tax uh, is the person that we, we first catch a hint of what's happening here. Again, for us as uh, 21st century Christians, it's hard for us to grasp this because we don't understand what's happening here. So what is taking place is the king would uh, authorize servants or people who lived in a town to collect money from the townspeople. So he was a tax collector. Matthew was one of the apostles, was a tax collector. So he would take and he was representing the king. He would collect from everybody in the town what they owed the king. And the way that he got paid was he would say, hey, Jeff, you owe uh, $10 to the king, uh, but uh, I'm going to charge you $50. i am going to give 10 to the king, put 40 in my pocket. He, this was an ongoing, everybody knew what was happening. They, they were gouging the system. Now, it, wasn't un, it, was, it was their right to do this. Now, they, they were supposed to do it in the fair way. Like, hey, you owe 10, pay me 12. I'll keep two, give 10 to the king. But this servant has even gone even the step further in that he's not even given the king the money that he's taking, any of the money he's taking. So he shows up, and he's supposed to give the money to the king for the taxes that he's supposed to have been collecting, and he shows up and goes, I spent it all. And the king is furious. He says, you were supposed to bring that to me. But then he begs for mercy. And then he gets the mercy, leaves getting, receiving that mercy, heads out and finds one of the townspeople that was supposed to be giving him money that can't pay and says, hey, you owe me 10 bucks. I'm throwing you in prison because you can't pay me right now. Now, th this, is, this, is th this is the story. I'm hoping I'm bringing you into it. Now, I want to give you a picture of what's taking place here. Uh, let, me, let me bring this out. For you to really understand the picture of how much the difference is, I've got, I went to the bank and I picked up some cash, okay? So, uh, so I, got, I got a wad here, a couple hundred dollars. This is actually equivalent to $12,000. Now, in modern uh, calculations, if you took what uh, the servant, uh, the, sec the, the servant that couldn't pay the other servant, he owed $12,000. I have $12,000 here. Now, you know, if I have $12,000 and I've got it just sitting around and you know what I got to do with it, right? Got to make it rain. I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> so he, he has $12,000. It's fake, okay? It's, it's not real. Don't any, nobody, you all knew it because somebody went up. Like if I was out there, I'd be like grabbing it. It's like, it's fake. It's just play money. Um, <laughs> I don't have $12,000. Just go grab it out of the bank. So, <laughs> but this is, this was the equivalent. This is what a $100 stack of $12,000 would look like. All right. Now, for you to understand what $12,000 would look like, or what the man, the first servant owed the king, was actually $6 billion. Let me show you what $1 billion looks like. That is what $1 billion in $100 bills looks like. <laughs> he owed $6 billion. 
Now, to, so you got to grab the story. The story says the king, he comes to the king and owes him that. More than that. Leaves that, being forgiven of that, the debt and the mercy of the king says, you don't owe me that, I, don't, I won't hold that re- you responsible for that. And he goes after a servant who owes them this. Now, so context is important. Getting a picture of what's taking place is important. You need to, you need to grasp this. Now, wh- now, why is this a story that Jesus is telling? And the, 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 he uses this extraordinary amount as, as an emphasize, to emphasize it wasn't possible for the first servant to pay it back. Now, now context in the scripture. Last week, we were introduced to chapter 18 of Matthew, which we're still in. And he says to, the, to them, he says, hey, you guys, if you, they ask, hey, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he says, the greatest in the kingdom is the youngest of you, like a child. You need to become like a child. And he brought in probably uh, John, who was about 12 years old, and, and he showed him and said, hey, this is what, uh, you, uh, what you need to look like if you want to be my, the greatest in the kingdom. You need to act like this. And, and then, he's, then he goes on and says, if you, would cause, if you cause one of these little ones to die or to, or to sin, it is better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck. Wow. So he says to them, hey, do not offend a brother. And then immediately goes into this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, this isn't in your notes, but this is the context. He says in Matthew chapter 18, if another believer sins against you. So if somebody sins against you. So what he says, if another brother sins against you. He, he, he highlights this, uh, this context and says, if someone sins against you, then go privately and point out the offense. So uh, if someone hurts you, if the brother comes, he, gives, he walks him through step by step how you need to approach them. The first thing you need to do is you go to that brother, go privately and point out the offense. Let them know how they offended you. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So the first thing that you do is you go to them man to man, imano, imano. And you say, you've done this to me, and it hurt me. It offended me. It, it hurt me financially. It hurt me uh, emotionally. It hurt me physically. You did it, and I'm addressing it with you. And the goal is for reconciliation. But if that doesn't work, so there's no point in this situation yet that it says, blast them on social media. Okay. It might be in later, but let's, let's keep going. So if that doesn't work, he says, but if that's unsuccessful, take one, one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Okay, so now take two or three people with you. Find out if this can be reconciled. Again, the goal is reconciliation. If that doesn't work, the person still refuses to listen, take the case to the church. Now, that doesn't mean get up on the stage on Sunday morning and be like, you know what? They hurt me, and I want everybody to know. No, this means go to the church leadership and have the church leadership help you walk through how, what the next step is to do. So you go to the church leadership, and you say, how, how am I supposed to move forward? Should, should, I, should, I go, should I have this happen? And then hopefully they would go. And they don't respond to that now. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat them, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Treat them like a, do you see the correlation that Jesus is making? He says, if at the final point, you can't get them to realize that they have hurt you, 
You treat them like a corrupt tax collector. Now let me tell you a story how you treat a corrupt tax collector. You forgive them. Six billion dollars worth. This is, so, so in this story, and I've laid this out for you and every week, I keep emphasizing this because the reason why I'm doing this is I want you to go home and when you read the, the word of God on your own, you can study it for yourself. So we're hitting a story here. The first question we need to ask, what is being confronted? What is being confronted? What Jesus is confronting is, hey, these little ones that are among you, do not hurt them. But if you are a little one that is hurt, here's how you're supposed to respond. Here's the truth. It doesn't matter what type of relationship. Every relationship requires forgiveness. That's what Jesus is addressing here. It doesn't matter how good your family is. It doesn't matter how awesome, amazing, ridiculously cool your church is. Whoever claps, you're my favorite. Yes. It uh, doesn't matter how, how awesome. Eventually, someone's going to offend you. Every relationship will have an offense. And the closer you get to someone, the more likely they will defend you. And the more they will offend you. you those of you that, know, uh, that are married know this. You went to the, that day on your wedding day up to the altar and it was glorious, and it was wonderful, and I have sat down with you, and you said something like, I'll ask this question, what's been your biggest fight? Well, we really haven't had one. <laughs> yeah, the people that are laughing have been married more than two years. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, 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 and there's no offense. There's like, oh, it's, it's so wonderful, and then you start living with them, and you start experiencing holidays with them, and then they go and they, they go to, you know, you go to the dinner and you're sitting there and you're having this wonderful moment and this wonderful time. And then he says, mom, no one makes mashed potatoes like you. And you are offended. Not, I mean, might be offended. And you're like, hmm, you won't say anything at that moment, but you won't kick, cook that boy mashed potatoes for the next six years. You, you get a fit, and the more you, the closer. So every relationship, I don't care what the relationship is, you will be offended. I promise you, every relationship with a boss, no matter how great of a boss they are, no matter how, no matter what the relationship, if they're friends, if they're family, if they're your pastor, they will offend you. If I haven't already, I probably will by the end of the service. This is, this is what you need to understand. Every relationship will have offenses. So if that's what I'm being confronted with, what am I being invited into? And he says that you're being invited to forgive like our king. Forgive like a king. I almost put in there, forgive like a boss. But <laughs> like a boss? Oh, sorry. Don't watch that. Never mind. So... You got to forgive like our king. And how is our king forgive? Endless mercy. Six billion dollars worth of forgiveness. If anybody of you have over six billion dollars worth of offense against someone, it wasn't the point. The point was it's endless. It's, it's a, a limitless amount of mercy. And then you're supposed to do the same. 
You're supposed to, to do the same. So if I'm, if I'm being confronted by being, every, every relationship is going to need forgiveness, every single one of them. And if I'm then being invited into forgiving like a king, how do I do that? How do I do that? The, so the first thing is that you, you, you need to understand, how do we forgive like in, in our society when we live in a society that is thin-skinned and hard-hearted? We're in a society that we get offended about everything. Like, you made fun of my shoes, I'm offended. Like, uh, like they said this about me, and I saw their post on Facebook, and they didn't say my name, but I know it was about me. I know it was. I, I know, I know they were talking about me. I didn't hear, they were over in the corner, and I don't know what they said, but it was about me, and I'm offended. Okay? And now, my, I'm done. I'm done with them, I'm cutting them out, they're done. And I'm, I'm joking, but we, we see this as, as kind of like the, the, the thing. And here's what has to happen is you, you need this. Instead of being thin skin and hard hearted, we have to have thick skin and a soft heart. We have to be thick skinned and then with a soft heart. Here, here's, here's what happens. It goes in this order, and I probably should have put this on the screen. But the first thing that will happen in, in any relationship is that there will be an offense. Something will be said something will be done, something will be undone or unsaid, and that will be the offense. What is, happens next, you cannot control that. You cannot control what other people do. You can control whether you will be offended. You can't control the offense, but you cannot control whether you will be offended. And if you are, if you choose your choice, my choice to be offended results in my resentment. And my resentment will lead to bitterness, and my bitterness leads to broken relationship. So the offense doesn't lead to broken relationship. My offendedness is what leads to broken relationships. Does this, this make sense? It's quiet. It's good. I, I, I pro, the first service, I actually at one point had to preach to the wall because this person in the second row was glaring at me. They were mad. So I got over it. I'm going to preach right at you. <laughs> we'll edit that out of the video so that if they do watch it, they don't. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so every, every relationship has offense. So, how do, so this is where we have to understand to stop getting offended. And so let me, let me throw some humor in here so that because uh, this is a hard message. So we, we live our lives like Jim Bob does. You know Jim Bob. Jim Bob's my buddy. I haven't told Jim Bob stories in a while, so he's a good buddy of mine. Jim Bob's from West Virginia. Jim Bob went, in, went into his drinking hole one day, you know, he, to, to, to wet his whistle. He went in there. He, he got in there. He, said, he, he walks in, and he goes to the bar, and he sits down, and he says, I, you know, orders his uh, normal. And uh, he, he says, uh, it's one of the guys notices, hey, Jim, Jim Bob, you got, what's, what's this on your, on your chest there? He's like, he's like, well, that'd be a stick of dynamite. They're like, Jim Bob, why, why do you have a stick of dynamite on your chest? He goes, well, you know what happens every day I come in here? I come in here, and I sit down, I order my usual, and then Bubba walks in, slaps me on the chest, and breaks my cigars. Today, I'm going to blow his hand off. <laughs> See, there's a big difference between the offense and being offended. And so we have to, we have to learn how to step back. I love that Matt, Jesus is telling a story. He says, if, if a believer, put that up there, if, if a believer, 
There it is. If another believer sins against you. This is where this, the, the sensitivity level needs to be adjusted. The if. Sometimes we get offended and it's not a sin. See, this is... Annoyances are not sins. Just because they do the same thing over and over and over again to you does not make that thing a sin. Just because they come into the office every day and all they do is complain and bicker and blah, 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 blah doesn't make it a sin. Just because they hit you on the chest over and over again doesn't make it a sin. See, disappointments aren't sins either. See, this is the biggest thing that happens is we, put, we are disappointed by people and then we call it an offense. When the reason why they're dis we're disappointed in them is because we place expectations on them they didn't even know about. Well, they should have known. Well, I told him that I needed attention, and he didn't give me flowers. We, we, I said, I, but we, we put expectations on people, and when we're disappointed when they don't meet our expectations that they didn't know they needed to live up to. See, this is, <laughs> this is where we get ourselves in trouble, where we get offended by things people don't even know that they have offended you with. You know what else is an offense? Is disagreements. Just as somebody disagrees with you does not mean they're sinning. It just means they disagree with you. So when we get ourselves in a place where we're disagreeing with someone that we're in relationship with, we don't need to move it into the category of sin. It's if. We got to get ourselves into a place where we're better at this. This is why Jesus tells them, hey, you need to go with one or two other people. To address the concern. Because when you go to somebody and say, you offended me, you hurt my feelings, you, you did this, you did that, and they don't, uh, they don't respond, we are supposed to take one or two people with us. Why? So one, that they hear our side of it, and two, they hear their side of it. And they may come out of the situation going, dude, you shouldn't be offended by that. You, you, they are an impartial. That, see, that's why you don't take your mama and your best friend. You don't take people that are going to have your back. You take somebody that's impartial and say, hey, come along, I need to hear that. That's why the third level is the church leadership. Because the church leadership needs to be wise in how they approach it and saying, okay, is this something we really need to get our panties in a wad about? <laughs> I just offended some of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and as your pastor, I promise you, that'll probably be the first question I ask. <laughs> is this really something we need to get her? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> we need to understand, is it offensive? And this is what he says, take two or three wishes. And, and Proverbs says, hey, a good sense, Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 12.16 uh, says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when he's ins insulted. See, we're so quick to peel the banana on our situations. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me give you the illustration. You're driving down the road. Someone cuts you off, and you're offended. So you need to ride their tail and then peel the banana. <laughs> See, I told you I'd offend some of you by the end of this message. You're welcome. I'm just giving you a chance to put this in action, okay? It's all on purpose. <laughs> We, we, we get so quick to anger and so quick to fit, be offended, and we have to understand not everything is something we need to be offended about. 
So if we're quick to build, we got to understand that we need thick skin. The second thing is, okay, so say somebody is really offending us. What, is, what should we do next? You're going to love this one. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. And some of you are like, uh-huh, I'll pray for them. I pray a th- the locusts of a thousand hills come against them. I pray Psalms uh, 1, chapter 3, verse 6, where it says the teeth of my enemies will be crushed. I pray that they have acne on the outside and the inside of their nose. You know how painful those things are when you get them inside your nose. Oh. I pray. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about praying blessings on them. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. This is why you need to pray. Because, listen, the enemy wants to destroy your relationships because he knows the power in relationships. He comes, John 10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. First Corinthians says that the the enemy comes in and very cunningly, he doesn't just come in and say, hey, I'm going to cause an offense. No, he's one offense after another offense after another offense. And pretty soon we have a plank. You know what a plank is? A plank is what builds a fence. But it's made up of small little splinters one after another after another that eventually we have an offense and we can't find reconciliation because we put somebody in a position that all we see in them is the offense we've taken away all their humanity and all their own hurts and all their own pains and all their own disappointments and we just put it on them we say no 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 it's just their offense but when you begin to pray for somebody it's 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 one of those things you i I love them I'm giving away some secrets, but marriage counseling, one of the the best things to do, I found with marriage counseling, is you come come in and you're like, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm not a counselor, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with prayer. Sir, will you pray for your wife? You know how quickly it goes from, Lord, help this vengeful woman. (laughs) Help her to understand that I'm not the jerk she thinks I am, and Lord... But by about 30 seconds into that prayer, the prayer doesn't change the other person. It changes us. See, prayer changes how we're approaching the other person. So when we find ourselves offended, we step back and we begin to pray for them. See, this is why Jesus was able to pray on the cross for his, those that were hammering the nails into his hands. It's because he didn't look at the hammers and the nails. He looked at the individual's. And he saw in them that they were sinners that he was willing to die for. So we gotta, we got to step back. we got to say, hey, I need, a, I need a little thicker skin. I need a little bit of a softer heart. I'm going to pray for them. And then if you can't get to past that point and you're finally at the place where you, hey, what, what do I do? If I've been offended over and over again, the thing that you need to do is you need to be, remember that you're forgiven. You need to remember that you're forgiven. How quickly it is easy for us to forget. Just like this servant, we like to throw him under the bus. What a jerk. But we're so quick to do the same. Because what we do in, in relationships is we get into a place where they, we were offended and we start looking for other places where they offended us. We pull out the magnifying glass and we start evaluating people. And we're looking for every fall and fault and we start pointing at them and, and we're looking at them. And, and God says, hey, what you need to do is put away the magnifying glass pull out the mirror because the mirror will remind you that I have done 
the same. Yeah, they did just cut me off, but I remember it wasn't just a few miles back. I, I didn't see them, and I accidentally cut somebody else off. See, it'll, it'll remind us that I've got not thousands of dollars worth of debt that's already been forgiven, but billions. See, the mirror will remind you of who you are and where you've come from, that you too had needed the forgiveness. So put away the magnifying glass, pull out the mirror. Luke 7:47 is if Jesus is at a dinner at a Pharisee's house, and a woman busts into the room, place she doesn't belong, breaks open an alabaster box of, of this fragrant oil, expensive oil, and begins to wash the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisees go, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus knows their thoughts. And he says, those that have been forgiven a little, forgive a little. But those that have forgiven a lot, forgive a lot. See, when we, we step back and we look in the mirror and we're going, yep, that's me. And Jesus ends that story. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. So once we've remembered that we too need forgiveness, then we can forgive. Forgive them. That's the fourth thing. Just forgive them. No, it's not what they deserved. They don't deserve the forgiveness. You didn't either. But see, when forgiveness takes place, it doesn't make us doormats. It makes us victorious. See, it's not, for, real quick, I, forgiveness is not tolerating the behavior. It's not allowing it to happen over and over again. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to allow you to hold that offense in my court. I'm not going to let you, that's not going to keep me bound. What you've done, what you, how you've acted will not hold me back from experiencing God's love. It's not uh, reconciliation. It's not minimalizing what they've done. It's not letting them off of the consequences. It's not forgetting what they've done. Listen, you cannot forgive and forget can't only God can so forgiveness is not that but what forgiveness is is understanding I have received forgiveness and once you've experienced forgiveness then you are equipped to forgive but you can't be equipped to forgive until you experience his forgiveness so here's what I want to do is I know every relationship has these in in them there's every you, you walked in here and you have some people on your list of people that have offended you. I've got a list right now. It's four. This morning it started with five. But since I'm teaching on forgiveness, I had to send a text message. See, you walked in here and you have some people on a list that have offended you. And they're holding you back from experiencing God's forgiveness. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write their name down, just their first name. I want you to write that name down, and then I want you to forgive them. This doesn't mean you have to do anything. I'm not telling you to call them. I'm not telling you to text them. I'm not telling you 
I'm telling you, you need to release them to God. Pray for them. Pray for them that God would bless them. And then I want you to walk in forgiveness. For some of you, that name needs to be your name. Because the hardest person to forgive is you. The hardest person to forgive is you. Lord Jesus, this is a tough message. It's a tough message because it impacts every single one of us. Today, I'm not minimalizing pain. I'm not discounting hurt. But I'm trusting you with it. I'm giving you the situation. I'm giving you the hurt. Knowing that you have taken everything, all of my hurt and all my pain and all the things I've done that are debts that I don't deserve to be forgiven of. But you have forgiven me. So Lord, I turn to you. I'm going to follow after you. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins, that you allowed those things to be put aside, that I can walk in forgiveness today. In Jesus' name.